The North Division heats up. We got Muzzin, Kachuk going at each other after the game. We got beef in all aspects of social media, and we're here to talk about it. It's World Hockey Report Live. Cody Jansen, Adam Ehrman, Trout with you. World Hockey Report, 12-ounce sports single TV, channel 761. Thanks for taking time out of your morning, afternoon, wherever you're at, to watch us. Packed show, so let's snap it over to Saskatchewan quickly. Adam, what's up, buddy? Not much, man. It's been like minus 45 for the last couple of days. My neighbors boosted my car three times, so I need to stop at the co-op and get him a gas cart or something. But wow. the nicest guy. Um, yeah, it's it's freezing. We got a packed show. Uh, we got TSN Calgary correspondent Solomon Volgi. This interview is brought to you by Kovo Vodka and Coco Rum. Back for another season of hockey as our great friends at Kovo Vodka and Coco Rum. It's the Coco. Best drink- it's Coco. Both of them are Coco. Okay, like yeah. Holy. No, you, you had a typo then. Oh. The best drink you'll ever have is on more shelves than ever across Alberta. Refreshingly different. Cocoa vodka and cocoa rum is a vacation in a can. Enjoy the cocoa life with us. It's high quality ingredients. No fillers, no beer bloat, no cheap liquor. Cocoa vodka and cocoa rum is a real deal. And now we are joined by Psalm Balji. Psalm, how's it going? Uh, tough one for the Flames the last couple of nights. I mean... It seems like they're opportunistic in ways, but they're also wildly inconsistent. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. They they looked really good against Vancouver, and I guess we know that that standard is is maybe not particularly high given the way the Canucks have played. Um, but uh, but yeah, definitely against the Leafs, uh, not really being able to generate much in terms of offense, not necessarily. Um, you know, having the best start to the game, obviously, yesterday, coming out with one shot on goal. Um, and you see maybe, you know, like, Trey Living probably had the second best offseason of any Canadian GM next to Mark Bergevin, but maybe you see on that right side that they they don't have the depth that that uh, they thought they did. You know, they're rotating Simone and, and Josh Levo in, in certain roles, and they have Manjapane now with, with Kachuk and Lindholm, but... But maybe, you know, they've been driven by Monhan and Gaudreau a lot this season, but there hasn't been much beyond that so far. And uh, they have probably have their toughest test of the season coming up here, two games in La Belle Provence. So inconsistent and perhaps relying too much on 13-23 and uh, their new goalie, number 25, Jacob Markstrom. You already broke out the French on us. I love it there. Solom, <laughs> no, I want to ask about the goaltending. I mean, Markstrom... I, I think he's been good, not great by any means, but a lot of the goals have also been some bad luck. And, I mean, you've been at a lot of these games. What have you seen from your aspect? I mean, is he that big of a difference changer from Riddick and Talbot last year? You know, is he just having some bad bounces that are costing him? You know what one thing I thought yesterday is he's he's good at, at creating stuff for, like, the sports center highlight of the night because sometimes he just puts himself in really poor positions where he has to scramble back to make that heroic save. So I was thinking that last night because he made a couple of them where should he have been playing the, the puck that far off his crease? Probably not. He's actually been really good for the team. 
they've they've lauded him off the ice for his competitiveness, for his like ease of how he's fit into that room. I think Elias Lindholm is a huge reason why he signed with Calgary. I think Elias Lindholm is probably like the salesman of the year for for what he did to bring Markstrom in. He's been really good. I think um, I think players have talked about it in the past. Just when you have goaltending that is is consistent um you know what you're getting night in and night out it frees up the defenseman to perhaps join the rush more it perhaps makes you more confident when you're playing the puck and they have that and markstrom has been really good i think at least three of the goals he's allowed so far this season have come off his own players and that's what you talked about some some poor puck luck and and maybe not getting the bounces um yesterday i mean i don't think he was he was out of this world yesterday um but but overall, there's definitely a big difference there. Even Riddick had a pretty strong past couple of seasons, but there was that inconsistency. And Marstrom just brings brings that that knowledge for his players that they know night in and night out. They'll probably get a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League. He's proved it early on, but um, they've been too reliant on him. They don't have they haven't been supporting him enough. And you take away 13 uh, Goudreau and 23 Monaghan, and they really haven't generated a ton. They haven't gotten secondary scoring. And and that's also been part of their issue this year as well. Yeah, so I, I want to ask you about that. So every year it seems like Brad Treliving, he's in on this guy and that guy. <laughs> and a couple of years ago, it's Mark Stone this year in Dubois. He's never really been able to pull the trigger and as a Calgary correspondent, are you kind of worried that they're becoming a bit stagnant now that they got the goalie, they got Tanev to run out the defense and now all of a sudden they, they can't score and they're missing a huge chunk on the right side, as you said. Well, I think that's, that's something that's fascinating coming from out East. You, you look at, you know, pretty much everyone knows who control and Monaghan are. And from afar, you'd think, Hey, they haven't had a run here in a long time. Control and Monaghan, I think, I think they might have won a playoff series in their first year together, but that was it. And and I mean, it's a tough call, right? If you if you look at you know Pierre Luc Dubois being being a number one center who's really young and who um, who's a power forward as well. And yeah, you know, Tree Living is in on everyone. Like according to a lot of people, he's probably the hardest working GM because he's just on his phone so often. And it's it's tough because right now probably Monahan and Gaudreau are. Are have contracts that are below market value, right? Like based on their production, the fact that they'll probably each wind up, if this was an 82 game season, they probably wind up with 70 plus points. But but you're right, they haven't made that next step. At times it looks ludicrous to think about about parting ways with them because they have been the most successful duo in the National Hockey League over the past few seasons. But they just haven't brought it together. Is that on Monahan and Gaudreau or is that on the roster construction behind them you know again is it is it seem too reliant on its stars and you're right you know uh Trilliving will have to make a call here I, I know he was in on Anderson as well another Columbus player that ultimately went to a different Canadian team so it's it's tough I think a lot of people assumed that one of Gaudreau or Monahan would get shipped out this past offseason when they lost to Dallas and now I mean I think there's a there's a pretty good assumption that this season, if they don't win at least one round, then there will be major surgery to the roster because it's been a long time, 16 years since they've had any sort of playoff success over here. 
Now, that's something that's been talked about for long enough. You know, hey, they need playoff success or major change is going to happen. And realistically, nothing crazy has happened. But when you look at your guys like Gaudreau and Monaghan, do you think that those are the leaders to get it done in the playoffs? I mean, I know, you know, this is your first year covering Calgary, but now you get to see them, you know, up close and personal. Are they the true on and off the ice leaders? Is it more Giordano, Kachuk, or are, are Gaudreau and Monaghan the guys really steering the ship? I think it's ultimately going to be Lindholm and Kachuk's team. I didn't realize how good Elias Lindholm was until I got here. That was kind of a cool surprise. Um, we, we've we talked about, I think he had 29 goals one year, so that's easy to, to point out. But he's such a smart player defensively. He kills penalties. His stick position seems to always be in the right place. He's he's someone that um, can, can drive his own line. And you look at the the forward composition with them moving him to center for this season probably was the best thing decision they made on terms of their forward corps it, it balances them out tremendously and it gives kachuk a very responsible two-way center to play with i think it's ultimately going to be kachuk and lindholm's team um especially i think giordano's a free agent after next season and you kind of wonder is that the end of the road for him and then you look at the fact that rasmus anderson is coming into his own on the back end i believe he has a point in in most of the games this season to me long term i don't see it as gaudreau and monahan that'll be steering the ship a year from now it'll be kachuk and lindholm and and Anderson as well, making up that new core. Plus, of course, Markstrom. That'll probably be the new core that you build around. And of course, you know you have up and comers um, like Dylan Dubé, who's who before he was injured looked primed for a top six role. So it's to me the 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 window is closing on this Gaudreau Monahan steering of the ship, and it'll it'll fairly soon here be fully transferred to Lindholm, Anderson, and Kachuk. Yeah, I, I personally kind of feel bad for Gaudreau Monaghan because I think Monaghan's just misslotted. You know, everybody, like, he's their top-line center, but, I mean, he's more of a number two on a on a perfect team. With that being said, what's what are the games been like, Salim? I, I know it's it's kind of weird. Um, you know, you're, you're in the building, but to me in the north right now, it seems like there's going to be two spots for Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. So how pumped are you for those late-season Battle of Alberta's, too? That'll be awesome. I, I'm not as bullish on, on the Oilers. I, I Maybe it's just growing up in Edmonton and being being a teenager during that decade of futility. Um, but uh, I just I don't see how they'll possibly get the goaltending and their lack of depth on defense. They'll get exposed. Um, it'll be fun, though. And and again, um, we saw Kachuk last night getting into it. And, and when you have personalities like that and, and antics, it just amps up the rivalry and It'll it'll be fun. I think I think in Edmonton it it's a pretty crucial point for that franchise, a lot more so than it is for the Flames. You're talking about the potential of what six years with Drysaddle and McDavid and and a couple of or one or two playoff series wins to show for it. So I think they're at a pretty pretty big tipping point on their end. For Calgary, you know, pretty much your odds are. Jeff Ward will will come back for the next season. You know they have they have a bit more stability, so I think Edmonton has a lot more to lose this season than Calgary does. But but the Flames do know that they have these questions year after year about why couldn't you close the deal against Colorado or Dallas? And you get the sense that players are getting a bit tired of it. And you know it's just they they do sense that there's this over looming shadow on this era of the Calgary Flames, which is. Hey, you might have a decent regular season and you might have a good roster on paper, 
but you ultimately haven't gone very far. So you get a sense that players have answered these questions so many times and they're sort of rolling their eyes metaphorically or sometimes on Zoom calls <laughs> when they have to answer these questions. So it'll be fun. I think both franchises have have a, a decent amount at stake and the Oilers probably more so. So, hey, like it'll be such a fun end to the season, that's for sure. Solemn. You're the best, man. No, I appreciate it. I, I, I'm happy to have you up in Calgary here. It's awesome to see you covering, succeeding out here out west, where the best belong. So uh, <laughs> unless Adam's got anything else, I mean, hey, you, you crushed the Flames coverage here for us. <laughs> no, I, I just want to ask, what city do you think is better, Calgary or Edmonton? Because I've oh, been to both numerous seat. times, and I think there's a significantly better other one once well, they get yeah. a new rink. Well, like, I, I visited here a lot when I was a kid, and I mean, I've always kind of thought that Calgary had more energy, more more spark i think like it's been a long time since like i i like would go out to restaurants and stuff with my buddies in edmonton but like it's just it got it like there wasn't Knox really much. yeah exactly and then you had like you have the mountains <laughs> yeah knoxville's gone and, like, <laughs> and like the rack was like on white ave and like oh like i guess that's uh a few years ago now, but I mean, in Calgary, it's kind of funny going to a city and you look outside and there's some pretty cool spots. So you're like, Hey, I'd love to grab a meal there, but, but everything's shut down and probably for good reason. Um, but yeah, I think Calgary just has a bit more of that, that energy, you know, there's, there's a bit more going on here. And then you have probably the best scenery in North America, just an hour and a half away. And it's, it's not a bad situation to be in. So yeah, I think uh, once they get more concerts with that new rink, they'll it'll be a place to go. Psalm, thank you so much. We'll have to do this again down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, guys. Psalm Valji, right there for Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, coming to you live on Twelve Ounce Sports Zingo TV Channel Seven Sixty One. Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, the real deal. Let's. I, I brought up the Kachuk Muzzin thing. We didn't really dive into it too much with Solemn there. I like some of his answers. We really brought up, hey, you know what? Lindholm and Kachuk seem to be the ones rowing the boat here in that direction. I think that's been a noticeable transition over the past couple of years. But we also got to bring up Kachuk's antics last night. I know you were the one that said, oh, it's kind of you know a classless move of Muzzin. I think it's all gamesmanship when you got to play a team 10 times. I get it. It's not ideal. It's not, you know, something to, to really rub it in someone's face after you beat them back to back. But again, does Kachuk have to do that? No. But also, Kachuk's teammates didn't do squat. They just stood there and watched. Like, they were over yeah. it. They were just like, ah, oh, this guy's going to freak out. It's going to embarrass us. I'm not getting my face caved in for him this time. That's yeah, why I see the Flames kind of go, okay, you know, maybe he's got to choose his times here better. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird with Kachuk. I mean, you love having him on your team for the most part, but I'm sure there's times where you're on his line and you're like, not this again. Like, I have to go and get into it with somebody because he's causing something in front of the net. So there's that. I mean, but for Muzzin to do that, whatever, I guess. I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of gutless. I mean, the game's over. The ref's in between you guys, whatever. But And people are going crazy that Kachuk landed on Campbell, like, did he land on him on purpose? Probably, but it didn't hurt him. He literally sat on him, and Campbell got injured a couple plays later when he slid across. So it had nothing to do with Kachuk. I mean, he's a pest. I'm sure he'll he'll get him back when they play him. I'm sure he'll be in a couple more of those this year. But it's great, though. I mean, everybody's like, oh, the Oilers fans are crying. The Canucks fans are crying about Kachuk, you know, causing something. And now... Leafs fans in the out east get to see it too. 
it's funny. It's, uh, you know, I think his whole meltdown, a lot more of that frustration comes from them losing back-to-back games against the Leafs and games they probably should have won. I mean, if you're playing a pretty depleted Leafs lineup with Jack Campbell in that and you're the Calgary Flames, you better win that damn hockey game. I mean, there's no question about it. Their inconsistencies are absolutely running them over. Quickly, though, I mean, we got a bunch to chop up here in the next five minutes or so. Big show, of course, as Adam just cut me off when I was uh, intro. I'll get to you, but we got Barstool Chief coming up here, and then Kyle Brodjak, former NHLer, coming up in about uh, well, 20, 25 minutes' time. Barstool Chief coming up in about five minutes' time. Uh, PLD, that trade with Line A, Ross Levick. Give me a quick breakdown on it. Who wins, in your opinion? Um, I don't know. I, I think it helps both teams. Uh, as you see, and I've, as we've said before, it costs more to get a center than a winger. And sure enough, that's Dubois. And I think he'll be great in Winnipeg. He seems like that type of power forward to mix with Shifley and Wheeler. So I think it's a good move for Winnipeg. I don't love them, you know, giving up Rosovic also, just because I think that, like, sure, he was never going to play for them again, but they could have shored up their back end a little bit more. And that seems to be Winnipeg's big issue. But it helps out both teams. Everybody's going crazy about Line A and Columbus. And I'm sure that Kekalainen's given Tortorella the, look, this is kind of your last shot. Like, if this guy wants to leave here, then then we're pretty screwed. Um, but Kekalainen, like he said, he tried trading up to number two in the draft. He wanted Line A. They're from the same country. You know, Europeans stick together, it seems like. So it should help both teams. And, I mean, I think Line A should be a fan favorite in Columbus, too. Do you think either of them re-signs? In that same team, uh, yeah, uh, I could see, I could see both of it, just because Dubois seems to be slotted in a nice spot in Winnipeg. He seems like a competitive kid who wants to win, and Winnipeg should be able to do that. And for Line, it kind of depends, I'm sure, on what he feels of Tortorella. But it also seemed like in Winnipeg, he didn't like the the pressure of the hockey market per se. And, you know, you go to Columbus, which is seems like an awesome town from what everybody says, college town, good for a young kid, plays Fortnite, whatever. So, Lina can go there. Okay, we got to get your take. Uh, was there anything else, like, big in the NHL? There was a couple of those hits, actually, last night in the Vegas game. We'll talk about that. The hit on Pacioretty, that was one of those almost super dangerous plays. Did you catch that one? Yeah, like the behind-the-net one. Um, I don't think it was extreme as Gallagher and Nurse just because they're both kind of standing still and he kind of got pushed. Like, still greasy. I mean, he didn't really get hurt. The stone one was worse because he just, like, cuts back on the guy. Like, probably not a suspension, but a $5,000 fine. But then we get into the debate, like, what's fining a guy five grand who makes nine and a half million a year going to do? Like... <laughs> That's fair. That's, but I, I think that the NHL, obviously, their fine system's broken. It's corrupt. It doesn't really affect anyone when they're getting fined four grand. But, you know, if you actually make that an impactful fine, I think that's when guys start to think twice about maybe throwing a hit like that. And I get it. You can be like, oh, keep your head up. You know, do this, do that. That's easy to say in hindsight. It's 2020. A lot of hockey Twitter beef, though, and I'd be reminisced if we didn't get this because we're talking Barstool Chief after NWHL fighting with Erica Nardini. Not even Barstool Sports. I think Barstool Sports almost got dragged into it because of Erica's exposure to the NWHL. Adam, I don't know if you've really checked it out or not. I've watched a couple of games. It's it's a good product. It's a good broadcast and everything. But I, I just, I, I shake my head when I see them picking fights. I don't know. I'll give you the floor here to give your thoughts. Uh, yeah. 
obviously this this league has been trying to get going for a little while now and and growing and stuff like that and obviously there's no fans and i think they have the nhl backing them but for the nwhl not to go with barstool i mean say what you want about the company but that place pretty much prints money right like they're just they're just bought for i think 400 million or something like that shout out penstock um yeah i I just don't know why the NWHL is trying to pick a fight with somebody so much bigger and stronger than them. And sure enough, if Barstool starts this women's league that they're they're talking about, like it's hard to say. But won't the NWHL just be done? Like, like they can't compete with that. No, no chance at all. And here's the thing. I mean, I'll, I'll keep this quick. So I know we got to wrap it up here. But if you want to say, oh, the reason they shouldn't associate Barstool in their history, are you kidding me? Take a look at every other major media outlet. Look at their scandals. Look at things that are going on. There's a lot worse things than just some racist comments, some terrible, tasteful jokes. I mean, we're talking... Yeah, it's not even funny. We're going to dive into it with Barstool Chief, though. Huge thanks. It's all involved, G, for hopping on. We'll jump into our Quack Stats hot bench later on after Kyle Brodziak. That's coming up in about 20 minutes' time. But until then, we're going to take a quick break. Come back, Barstool Chief. It's Cody Jans and Adam Ermitrout with you. 12-Ounce Sports, Zingo TV, Channel 761. It's World Hockey Report Live. Cody Jansen with you here. Breaking it down. It's January 27th. Wow, time has flown by. And of course, the Twitter shit never stops. Yes, we had it going for the past 24 plus hours. The NWHL, they're in the bubble. They were gaining some momentum. And then all hell breaks loose. That's why we had to bring on our friend Barstool Chief, Redline Radio co-host and blogger over at Barstool Sports to help us break this one down. I'm just going to backtrack and I'm going to quickly summarize this. Chief, and then, then you're going to tell me your side here. You know, Erica, she's always been a huge supporter of the NWHL. Then all of a sudden, the fan gatekeepers, social justice warriors, as I love to call them, they kind of said, like, nope, you're not allowed. They attacked her on Twitter. She clapped back with a video. I mean, it's all public out there anyways. All hell breaks loose. I want to hear your side because this has been a mess. Like, why why on earth would a league that wants to grow say no to arguably the, one of the biggest female figures in all of professional sports and media today? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, that's that's the thing that uh, it makes me feel like there's something a little bit, you know, maybe sinister isn't the right word, but people's hearts in the right aren't in the right places because if you care about that league and you care about uh, women's sports and women's athletes and trying to make that a thing, you could not have a better advocate for your product and your league and women than Erica Nardini. She's been a huge success at Barstool Sports. Everything she touches turns to gold. She's jumped into hockey kind of later in life, both feet in. Uh, she loves the women's game. She started skating, I think, about a year ago. She she put on the Barstool uh, pond hockey thing. She had her own team. We got to have uh, Kelly Babstock on our team as a ringer. She ended up being like our best player. And um, so to, to turn your back on Erica just makes absolutely zero sense to me and you know the other thing that bothers me is that she's just like a genuinely good person you know so it's like they're saying all these things like that idiot over at uh, Deadspin like implying or just flat out saying that she's evil like what are you talking about that's somebody who doesn't know anything about her about our culture about really anything uh, just slinging mud because he's got a narrative and and uh, to fit and clicks to get and the only way to get it is to take you know, kind of pot shots and cheap shots without really saying anything concrete. 
out about someone who he can't even he doesn't even belong in the same room as her. So uh, it, it was, uh, you know, and I, yeah, I take offense to that. And, and, you know, she's been great to me and she's been great, you know, for our company and, and, uh, and anybody who knows her respects her. So it's just people on the outside who don't understand what she's all about uh, who are, are taking, you know, these, these stances against her. Well, that's really the vibe that I've got from anyone I've talked to bar, or at Barstool as well, you know, about her. And, you know, when she came, I think it was five years ago now, she, she's really helped change this company into, you might have put it in your blog, that's where I'm stealing it from, is a $15 million company into a $450 million company, where, I mean, she's been a huge reason of that. And in, you know, women's professional sports, obviously money comes down to the key issue, and that's where they've been struggling, and that's where they're still struggling to make ends meet. I mean, when you see NWHL teams without dressing rooms, well, don't you think a couple of big sponsorships would help with that? But, I mean, you, you, you went into the blog, too, and you really broke it down from all of her experience. Like, do you, do you think these fans are just, like, it's not even that Erica was, you know, stirring up any controversy. It's just they're, they're like, oh, Barstool instantly. They're just shutting it down. Like, no one sees the Patriots and goes, oh, Aaron Hernandez is not going to be a fan. Like, it's the most ignorant thing for them to be like, nope, she's associated. We don't want her. Like, like talk to her as a person. Have that conversation, at least in my opinion. They don't want to have a conversation with her. They are intellectually incapable of being at that table, and that's what I was trying to say. So, like, they, they're, the, the game plan, like, I got blocked by one of the women. I never even heard of her. I was I blocked by the guy who wrote the Deadspin article seven years ago. I'd never heard of him. So they don't want to engage in a debate. And I don't actually disagree with that strategy from their point of view. Because if they got into like an actual sit-down debate with Erica Nardini, she would wipe the floor with them. So this whole thing where you, you criticize and throw rocks and then duck and cover and block and run away and just keep your own people in your own little echo chamber, much better bet uh, for you than trying to tangle with Erica Nardini. She would d destroy them. So... Um, from that point of view, I understand it, uh, but if you want to actually, um, you know, educate yourself and, and get to know her and get to know us, then, you know, that's, it, it, I would want to talk to her. And that seems to be something that they're not interested in engaging with because the results of the conversation wouldn't fit their narrative. So it's, uh, it's disheartening to see, but it's not, uh, but I understand their motivation for wanting to not engage her because it would not go well for them. Okay, you, you buried them in the blog too, which I, I love to see when, you know, they go at her on social media and then she claps back with one thing and all of a sudden she's the villain here. And for someone like yourself who, you know, you, you've made your living on social media, blogging, you know, doing that whole new age media, what on earth are they thinking when they're being like, oh, she took this to a public platform? That's, that's where it throws me off too, where, I mean, you, you've been on Twitter long enough hey, if you're going to throw stones in a glass house, it's not going to go well for you. I mean, these people were saying that she was doxing them. You said it on Twitter. And it's like, <laughs> well, she opened them up to harassment. You're harassing her. You're calling her names. You're saying these terrible things about her and trying to, you know, cast doubt about her character, which is something that none of them have any experience with whatsoever. They're openly harassing her and then she doesn't even really she doesn't say anything about them as individuals she just defends herself against these accusations and they're like wow you, you mentioned what we said about you uh publicly not allowed so what are you talking about what matter are you on it drives me insane and it's like this level of hypocrisy where it's like they're allowed to 
say horrible things to her about her, about the, the company that she has been instrumental in taking to this next level and growing and making it more inclusive and doing all these different things. And like she's been an unbelievable rock star at this company and in this industry. And for them to just be like, be like, they're gonna, they're gonna talk shit. Are we allowed to swear on this? Oh yeah, oh, you say whatever the fuck you want. I've been, I've been, I've been you know, censoring myself, but they're allowed to talk shit about her. And then all she does is be like, "Here's what these people said to me on Twitter," and then then she has to apologize for that. Are you insane? Like that type of like, that's the kind of type of thing that's just it's intellectually dishonest. So you can't just be like, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Like what what's going on here? And she's not inviting anything. She's just talking about the criticism that she's received, which she is allowed to do. Don't bring that fight to her doorstep if it's unfounded, which it is. Because if it was founded. Um, you know, they would be able to have this real debate, but they can't, and they know they can't, which is why they do the blocking thing. So it, uh, it really, like, it drives me crazy on so many levels, and, and you know, I think we're uh, used to having uh, Barstool be in this kind of mix, like Portnoy's in the mix, and, you know, I've been in the mix over the years, and certainly we've had our, you know, our dust-ups, we'll say, with uh, uh, these other media sources. Erica, I mean... This is just completely undeserved because she has been an unbelievable advocate. Do you know like, what it would cost to have a league, have someone like Erica promote it at the level at which she does? It'd be like millions of dollars. And she's just doing it because she, she has friends in the league. She believes in the league. She wants the league to be successful. She wants a home uh, for women hockey and young girls who can grow up and play hockey. She wants it to be a destination and a strength. And, and, a, and a sport to grow. That's all she cares about. She's just doing it because she likes it, and she likes the people involved in the league. And these people don't want her her influence because it overshadows their own voice. So it's like that old analogy: Would you rather have you know a hundred percent of a small pie or five percent of a giant pie? And they're they're choosing to like go hungry. Um, so they can just and throw stones at Erica for no reason, and it's it's really it's it's sad to see it. Someone like I, you know, I went to a, a prep school um, in Massachusetts where you know Casey Bellamy, who's played for USA Hockey, uh, was there at the same time as as me. So I've been kind of a fan of the women's game for a long time, and it is just slightly different than the men's, and it's it's good hockey, it's fun to watch, and uh, I'd like to see it. Ha- uh, to grow and get more exposure, and I'd be happy to be a part of that, you know, with Barstool. And it's just like they don't—they don't want that. So uh, I, I hate seeing it on, on many, many levels. Chief, I mean, be real. I mean, you're a hockey guy. I'm a hockey guy here, and we're not going to get into the NWHL. They're viewing numbers currently, but if Erica is full, if the NWHL opens Erica with full arms or would, do you think they would be playing in front of sold-out twenty-thousand-seat arenas? I do. I fully believe that with her pull and with her, you know, marketing ability, sense, you know, even just to have Barstool Sports fully behind, that's a game changer. That's the point where the marketing becomes full arenas, becomes dollars, revenue. Uh, that's going to blow up. Yeah, I, I have. Look, at, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert on the NWHL. I'm not. So. Uh, the type of crowds they have now versus the type of exposure they would get with Erica involved. 20,000, I mean, 
there's NHL teams that don't get that. So I don't I don't necessarily think that that's in their future. But I think it's possible that they could be a viable league where these women are compensated and able to live off of playing hockey. And the structure of the league might be different. I don't know if they do it kind of like the professional lacrosse where it's a tour sort of thing. Like, I don't know. I think, I think if they just invited her in and used her as an asset, not even just for exposure, but she's just so smart. Like, if, she, if they opened up their books, I don't know if, what type of uh, uh, relationship she's had with them to date, but she wants to own a team. She must think it's a viable product. And if Erica thinks it's viable, then guess what? <laughs> it probably is. So I don't know, like, the future of the league. I don't really know the current state of the league. I love that Riveters logo. I think they've got some, they've got some good things going on. And, you know, exposure and personalities and, and different storylines that, you know, she works for the WWE. She could promote these storylines. She could help them tell those narratives and those stories in a way that they, you know, that not everybody knows how to do it. Floyd Franklin, I don't know how to do it, but Erica is much smarter than me. So, you know, like, having her do it is, you know, it's an unbelievable asset. And it's just like, I just don't understand if you really care about those female athletes and women's hockey and hockey in general. Having Eric in your corner, it would be incredible. And also just Spitting Chicklets. Like, Spitting Chicklets is Barcelona Sports. It's the biggest hockey podcast on the world, in the world by far, and nobody else is close. Why would you, you know, try to slam a door in that face, too? So you have these two giant forces that are connected to Barcelona that could really, really help grow the game. And and instead, they'd rather just slander her character, which I, I'm... I don't get mad online very often. I was mad online at uh, Mark Lazarus, and then this morning, Sam Fells, even worse, which is, it's to be expected from those two, um, you know, but it's it's still, I, I got, it, it bothered me. Hey, no, I mean, hey, that's uh, sometimes you do got to bury someone in a blog, and I like that. Man, Chief, I appreciate you coming on. I got one more quick question for you, though. Are you and Stan good now? I mean, hey, that interview over summer was great, but you see your Hawks, who, I mean, Lankanen's looked okay, but other than that... Oh man, they gotta get healthy and they gotta get right. Well, it doesn't sound like they're getting any healthy this year. So, I mean, I, I agree. I think if you know if they had a, a fully healthy Taves and a fully healthy Doc, uh, they might be sort of okay. I don't hate the defense group as a whole. Uh, as far as Stan and I, I mean, yeah, I don't think I didn't get a <laughs> didn't get a Christmas card. Um, and I don't, I don't like Damn. him as a person. You know, I don't really know him. I just think he's not very good at his job. And I'd like to see the team do well. So, and I and I just feel like he doesn't always, you know, I'm not. I'm a big believer in telling the truth, and I feel like he doesn't always, you know, I, I don't know. I'd rather you just say nothing than lie. And I think there are sometimes where his instincts are to, uh, you know, not exactly tell the full truth or the full story about uh, some of the decisions and lack of accountability. If he would just been like, yeah, man, like I mess a few things up, and I'm going to learn from that, I would be like, oh, okay, well, I make mistakes every single day. And, but he still thinks like the Panarin trade was a good trade, and uh, he still, you know, some of these other moves were still good moves that he would do them again. He said it to us, so uh, it's tough for me to just be like, "Oh, he's learned and he's going to get better." Like, there's no evidence for that. So that's that's where I am with him. Uh, wish him the best. I hope I'm wrong about everything, and I hope he's right about everything because that means the team's doing well, and I want the team to do well. So I uh, just I don't see any sort of, you know path forward with him in charge because he keeps running this thing into an iceberg chief you're the best buddy appreciate it love redline love seeing your blog love the passion and stuff keep it up hey you know what i think uh everyone in their right mind knows the nwhl is better with erica so we appreciate you jumping on to talk about it today of course guys thanks for having me there you go
Barstool Chief. Coming to you live World Hockey Report, 12 ounce sports single TV channel 761. There it is. That's our newest sponsor, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, the absolute best. And let me tell you here, I mean, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a Canadian company changing the way we buy hockey sticks. Now, what's the number one problem you face when you buy a top-of-the-line hockey stick? Well, it costs $300 plus, which is wild. Pro Rock top-of-the-line stick weighing around 400 grams at the best price point. Check them out today, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. And we got a lot of cool content coming with them. Alrighty, time to bring on our next guest, Kyle Brodziak, former NHLer. He's also doing big things coming up here very soon in february kyle how's it going buddy i'm good i'm good thanks uh thank you guys for having me on here hey not a problem now you're going to be taking part in the world's longest hockey game sakers acres out here i don't think it's technically like sherwood park or strathcona county whatever you want to call it but i mean how did you get involved with this like what 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 transpired when you're like hey i want to play hockey for 250 plus hours in a row (laughs) Well, obviously, being from around here, I, I had heard of uh, uh, the longest game. I was pretty familiar with it. Uh, I've known known a few people that have participated in the past. Uh, but yeah, a few weeks ago, uh, a buddy of mine from uh, from Beggarville, who I grew up with, uh, Zenith Karmaniski, uh, who also actually uh, had a pretty good pro career himself, uh, he had call- he had uh, texted me a few weeks ago and asked if I was interested in playing. Um, and to be honest, I didn't know anything about it at the time. I didn't know that it was even going on this year. Uh, but he had been trying to, to participate in past years, uh, but was just just wasn't successful. But uh, yeah, this year I think there was uh, you know the group that that has done it had a, a few guys drop out, and there was a few open spots. So uh, yeah, thankfully he asked me to be uh, be a part of it, and I uh, couldn't be more excited. So are you guys getting like a schedule of, okay, you're going to be playing for this long. Like here's all the hand warmers and hot chocolate you get. Like this is where you're sleeping and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I think the schedule, uh, as far as I know, the schedule goes. Uh, so we'll be on the ice uh, for four hours, then off for four, on for four, off for four. And then I believe we have an eight hour shift. Uh, where we're on for eight hours and then off for eight hours and then kind of repeat that cycle. Uh, as far as sleeping out there, I, I know most guys will be having, uh, they, they want most guys to have their own trailers out there. Uh, so I, I brought a fifth wheel out there, uh, sitting out there right now. Um, so those will be my sleeping quarters for the next few weeks. Um, yeah, just, uh, just really excited about it. Uh, you know, there's. I, I know it's going to be a tough challenge, but uh, it's one that uh, I'm I'm looking forward to. Can't wait. I know it's uh, it's coming up quick here, and I, I'm just getting an, anticipating uh, getting going already here. Sounds like a KHL training camp, if you ask me. <laughs> just on the ice, four hours <laughs> at a time, no biggie. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, I, I mean, obviously, like you, you grow up out here, you're playing on the ODR and stuff. But like, when's the last time you've really spent any length of time outdoors? Like, it's cold as shit out there right now. I mean, I think it's like what minus twenty plus today without the wind chill. Like, how how do you yeah. prepare for that? Are are you kind of a little nervous that you're like, oh boy, frostbite's coming? Uh yeah, a little bit. I you know what I I've I've kind of spent the last few weeks. Uh, dialing in my my clothing, uh, I know that 
you know, having a couple layers under the equipment is going to be huge. Um, there was a, a lot of past players have, have, they've had some good information on, on what to do to prepare for that. Uh, there's some booties that uh, guys get custom made to put over their skates. Uh, so I've got that, that dialed in already. Um, I've, I think I've, I've bought about four packs of uh, four boxes, sorry, of, of hand and feet warmers. So apparently those come in hand, uh, those come quite handy, uh, you know, especially in the, the really cold days and nights. Um, yeah, just trying to, trying to make sure I have enough clothing, enough hand warmers. Uh, there's apparently there's some tricks, uh, uh, to help with blisters of duct taping your feet. Uh, I haven't seen the method of that yet, but I think we're going to learn that, uh, once we get out there. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of precautions. I know that these guys have been doing it for a long time, so I'm just going to listen to basically everything they, they say to, to, to kind of prevent, uh, for preventative measures. Good call on the, the feet booties there. Cause there's no winning with your toes. I've always found, uh, moving indoors though, your, your NHL career. So you come out of the dub as a, as a big scorer. How quickly did you realize that, you know, everyone's a scorer coming out of junior here. If, if I want to last in this league as long as you did like I'm gonna have to really adapt my game and and find a role here yeah um you know what I think it it actually started in junior uh my junior coach Curtis Hunt uh he had planted the seed early uh about the defensive side of the game um and it was pretty much my my 17 year old year uh I was pretty much in a defensive role that whole year uh as like a, you know, a third line center. Uh, that's kind of where I played the whole year. And that was the focus was learning the defensive side of the game. Uh, I, I know he put me in a lot of, you know, defensive situations, uh, um, you know, shut down, you know, certain players or certain lines. Uh, so I was putting a lot of those situations and, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, that, that was a huge part for, uh, for me. Um, like you say, you come, you turn pro, uh, basically everybody who's, who's turned pro can play offense, but, uh, it doesn't always happen where, you know, where, you know, they got a chance to focus a lot on D. So, uh, I think that, uh, that definitely, that definitely helped me a lot and something I'm very appreciative for. And, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, that's what helped me, uh, get, you know, get my feet wet and get the ball rolling for my pro or my pro career. That's funny. You played for Huntsy. I played for him up in Fort Mac too. What a guy that's, uh, he loves oh, no hockey. I think that's uh, that's one of the biggest takeaways from him is that guy just breathes the game. But okay, I, I'll yeah. keep I'll keep this one pretty light though, Kyle. I mean, you were one of the last guys not to wear a visor out there. Like, how badass <laughs> did you feel? Because I mean, your style was off the hook. Like, I I love guys that didn't wear visors. Kind of were like, nope. You know what? I'm just gonna rock without it. Like, what was your thoughts? Like, were guys chirping you? Did you just hate a visor or what? No, I just, I, you know, right from junior, because junior is mandatory advisors, everybody knows that. Um, and I just, I just hated how it fogged up. I just, ever since, yeah, ever since I had to wear a, a visor, I, 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 you know, I just didn't like it. And when I finally got the chance to, you know, when I turned pro to uh, where I was allowed to take it off, I, I did. And I, I, I don't know, I, didn't you know when I when I first turned pro, most guys didn't wear visors, so it was kind of the norm. Uh, but definitely by the end of my career, 
I think there was, you know, one or two guys on a team at the most that didn't wear visors. And, uh, yeah, early on in the career, early on in my career, I always kind of joked that I wanted to be the Craig McTavish of visors and, and be the last guy out there not wearing one. But, uh, obviously I was just joking about that, but, uh, it actually turned out I was pretty close to, I know nowadays there's still only, there's probably, you know, 10, 20 guys left in the league that don't wear one. So, um, you know, pretty soon it's going to be uh, to the point where there's no one left. So I'm not sure who's going to be the last one, but I'd be interested to see that. All right. Pretty standard question for me here. First game, first goal, kind of welcome to the NHL moment. What's it all like? First goal in the NHL? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, you know, it took me a while. I think it was game number 16 for me. Uh, yeah, I not, I think that was first point too. Um, I just, I remember having tons of chances. It felt like every game I was getting chances and it was, uh, it was getting pretty frustrating. And then, uh, yeah, my, my 16th game, I uh, was in my second year of being called up. Uh, I hadn't quite, um, full time. I wasn't quite a full-time NHLer yet, but, uh, game number 16. Yeah. Just kind of got a pass in the middle and I went five hole. I, couldn't even tell you which goalie it was against St. Louis, but I'm not sure which goalie it was against. Uh, I don't remember that right now, but uh, just remember, yeah, it was it was uh, best feeling in the world. Uh, I had friends and family that were watching. Um, uh, yeah, it was uh, we yeah, we won. I'm pretty sure we won that game, and uh, I think a uh, you know a bunch of us kind of went out and celebrated that night. So it was uh, yeah, it was uh, it was. Uh, you know, I, I, I will, I can't say a moment I'll never forget. Like I, I'll never forget scoring. I, there's a lot of details about it that I do forget though. Kyle, I mean, did you play in the American league that lockout year? Was that your year in the American league? That was my first year pro was the lockout year. Yeah. You got to tell us the stories. I mean, we've heard from everyone. We've had guys like Cam Jansen and that on like every team was just deep and heavy. Eh? Like what was it like for you being a rookie? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit intimidating, uh, to be honest. First, you know, my first year pro, uh, the NHL season is canceled. So pretty much every, you know, on, the Edmonton Roadrunners, the team I was playing on, we had Rafi Torres and Jared Stoll who had come down to play with us. Uh, and they were, you know, at that time, full-time NHLers. Uh, every team seemed to have at least two or three guys that, that had played, uh, that kind of make, made their impact in the NHL already. So, um, yeah, like you said, it was, every team was deep. Every team was heavy. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was good hockey. Um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun and definitely, definitely a bit intimidating. Uh, but just, just, uh, it was a fun year. First year pro, uh, it's kind of everything you dream about. I was living at home in Edmonton. Um, so it was, there was a, there was a lot of positives to take out of that year. All right. I'll, I'll, we'll have to get back on and talk Minnesota and St. Louis, but Cody and I, we watch all the Oilers games. Um, you played with Jesse Pugliarvi as last year before he went back home to Finland and, I'm sure you've seen him back now. Like he looks like a different player. He should have five or six goals, but they haven't came yet. He's already back up with McDavid, and you know he's speaking English actually this time. Just what do you make of him then, and what do you make of him and the Oilers now? 
Yeah, it, it, like you said, his game is is completely different. Um, you know, I remember the, my first camp uh, with Yessi. Uh, I thought he had an unbelievable camp where he looked like he was he was skating. He's big, strong. Uh, looked you know looked like he had all the tools in the in the toolbox that a guy needs. Um, and then got to the regular season, and uh, yeah, I'm not you know I I can't speak for him. I'm not sure exactly what happened whether you know whether he lost some confidence or um you know just just being in the regular season kind of a different animal for a young guy uh where uh yeah you know i'm not exactly sure what happened but his game definitely wasn't the same uh as it was uh, in the preseason and, and during camp but uh he looks like uh you know a guy that's he he went back home for a year uh gained a lot of confidence um you know, maybe maybe he just realized in his head that he does belong in this in the in the NHL, and um, you know, hopefully he can he, he can keep that mind frame and just keep going because uh, he looks uh, he looks like uh, you know something something for real right now. Rozzy, you're the man. Thanks for hopping on here. Hey, with the world's longest hockey game, though, I know you're looking for some stuff for the silent auction as well. We're going to hook you up. We're going to get those local Omnivore uh, gift cards out to uh, Emily or whatever. Where else can people donate, support, help you out? How can they do that? Yeah, any, uh, you know, if you go on worldslongestgame.com, uh, that's that's kind of the main website. It's, uh, it's not hard to find. You can, uh, there's areas to donate on that page. Uh, I have a lot of... Uh, links to my my personal account uh, uh, just on my Twitter. Uh, but if you go on worldslongestgame.com, you can donate to uh, to certain players, or if you want just to donate to the the cause in general, uh, anything helps, and that'd be uh, that's much appreciated from you guys. So thank you guys very much. What's what's your goal for uh, money wise? My goal is uh, every every uh, player playing has a goal of ten thousand. Uh, I think I'm about. 75, 80% there. Uh, so, you know, I'm still pushing to, to get over the top here. And uh, yeah, like I said, any, any little bit helps and, and is much appreciated. We're going to push you past it. Our great friends, World Hockey Report, everyone here, all of our supporters, they're going to help you out. We're going to get you cruising past it. Kyle, man, thanks for thanks so much for hopping on the show here. We'll, we'll, we'll have to get you back on maybe uh, after to get your experience, recap of that and get some funny stories out of your time in the NHL. Absolutely. Anytime, you guys. <laughs> All right, you're the man. Talk later. Thanks, Kyle. All right, you bet. thanks, guys. Kyle Brodziak right there, former NHLer, Oiler, Wild Blues. Did he play on any other teams or just those three? Uh, I think just those three. Jimmy Rutherford just randomly retired, hey? <laughs> really? What? Yeah, he just... Like the yeah. Ben's GM? Yeah, he just stepped down for personal reasons. So, <laughs> I mean... Oh, wow. The last, like... I think I tweeted the last 10 moves he's made have been a little, a little questionable. Like the, what, well, no, number, Johnson. number one, I mean, we hope he's in good health and everything yeah. there. Like it's he's nothing serious, play. but that's wild. That's yeah. a, that's out of the blue too. Like I didn't really, yeah. Pierre Lebrun just tweeted it out too. Yeah. No, he like literally five minutes ago. So, I mean, Jeez. the, the Matheson for Hornfish trade wasn't good. The, Brandon Tanov contract. I like Brandon Tanov, but probably not for seven years. Uh, the Matt Murray, like his, the way he handled the goaltending with DeSmith and Jari. I mean, he's looking, not looking great right now. And 
I mean, yeah, but obviously you wish him in the best health because because he's not not young anymore. So can we talk about Matt Murray before we wrap up here? Because yeah, he's he hasn't been good. No, he has not been good at all. Like, what he's like an eight sixty goaltender, but like, okay, Ottawa sucks and he has not been good. But like, for a goalie with no confidence, where's the worst place you can be on a terrible defensive team? I mean, I feel bad for him in a sense of like, hey, you know, he had a couple of good games. But right now, oof, that's not the spot for him. I do think he still has potential to be a starter, man. I know I, I know, everyone's like, oh, two cups early, the pens were stacked. I still think he has it in him. This is a tough one in Ottawa. And, I mean, like, what if he can't figure it out? That's $30 million from the cheapest owner in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. Hey, before we wrap it up here, again, huge thanks to our friends at Summer Skates. All of those are going out. They should be shipped out. You probably get them at the end of this week, next week, or whatever. Summer Skates, huge, huge thanks to them. Again, mybookie.ag, promo code 120Z, sports, all caps, no spaces. And Quack Stats, quickly, let's hit on this one. Okay, Adam, who are we going to bench this week for our friends at Quack Stats, the most advanced player tracking technology? Who are you sitting well, I mean, we we just heard it, uh, NWHL. Sit them for them. Sit them going against against Chief and Erica and Barstool. Sit them. You don't fight Barstool. Barstool Chief came in with the fire. Huge thanks for him to hopping on the show. I'm going to bench someone else, and it's going to be Edmonton Media, who are all over Leon Drysital because even strength. He's a top five player in the league this year for goal performance versus goals against. He has been on fire, and I don't think Leon Dreisaitl is one bit the problem in Edmonton right now. So Edmonton Media, who's all over him, you know what? You're getting benched for our friends at Quack Stats. That's going to do it. Huge thanks again. Solomon Valji hopping on the show. Barstool Chief Kyle Brodziak. Be sure to support. We're going to check out all those World's Longest Hockey Game links. Adam, buddy, any last words? No, I mean, honorable mention for the benching to Dave Tippett for being a minute 50 left down one. He throws out the third line. They can't get anything going. Doesn't even use his timeout. He thinks they carry over to the next game. But honorable mention to him for the benching. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll post it. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, replay Twitter. You know where to get it. Download the podcast, everyone. Get it done. That's it for Cody James and Adam Rumichard, our friend Jeff Beck over at 12 Ounce Sports. Until next week, everyone, be kind, be better. (laughs) 